Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is the King's Court on Arena Sportsnet. Presented by American Grappler. I got more swagger than Mick Jagger. More sex appeal than Vince Neal. All guests from all walks of life share their time with the King of Connecticut. They are dreaming of just one night, just one night with a man such as myself. Any and everything goes. I am the King of Connecticut. I was raised with class and sophistication. And now... From Norwalk, Connecticut, weighing in at 230 pounds. If George Clooney had muscles, they call him the King of Connecticut. The one, the only, Max Granahan. of miscreants, and we got a broadcast from the gym here. Manny Fernandez, pro wrestling legend. We're going to get right into it and jump right into it because they just, finished, my boys. They just finished class. Uh, we're going to turn this man. over to the Raging Bull. What's going on out there? You know, we got this uh, legitimate wrestling school from Body Progression here in Bristol, Oklahoma. I teach my guys, if you're doing enough, like Derek Plum and, and Jeremy Edwards, if you're going to be a pro wrestler, try to be a pro wrestler at wrestling high school. Learn wrestling first before you get into all that other crap. That way you defend yourself at all times. Learn MMA. I teach my guys. I teach my guys in the ring, defend yourself at all times. Like you do as a boxer. Boxers don't put their hands down. My guys keep their hands up. This guy gets stupid to choke him out. Take him down, choke him out, arm bomb, whatever you want to do. Just put him in sets. And a lot of people don't like that in pro wrestling, but I don't really give a shit. Pro wrestlers just turn into a bunch of little pansy asses, you know, like my my boys say in the military, you know, I serve my country, not to be politically correct, because you guys are a bunch of pansies, I served it because I'm proud and have fine to serve it, not like you bunch of little women out there, you know, but, you know, oh, yeah, that's hey, what that's we do here, brother. Man, 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 I'm going to tell you, you're talking the language of of my new tag team, man. I got my new tag team, the real I shooter. saw that, I that's saw that, I'm kind of jealous. Movie, man, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous of that. I'm not three. I'm 63 now, man. I wish it would have been 30 years ago. We we'd be a six man instead of the three birds. We'd be calling everybody the dead birds because we'd kill every one of them. <laughs> Hell yeah! You know, <laughs> we'd be leaving them on the mat. They're such chicken shits, Manny. We went up there, man, last weekend. I was up there with Stephen Bonner, and this guy was in UFC. He, uh, Matt Riddle. He calls himself the king of bros, but we call him the queen of hoes because he's <laughs> the king of the match. Yeah, 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 I saw that. And in fact, I said something about that to another guy that was acting all bad up there, Jake Zelo or something like that. So who the fuck are you, dude? You ain't shit. You ain't done shit. You ain't done a minute in our business. And you want to talk shit to me? Where the fuck are you at? I'll come up there and show you something. Oh, well, you know, I'm a promoter. I go, oh, it's uh, good for you. Now go fuck yourself, huh? 
Like, I'm going to ask you to promote me. I'm going to yeah, promote me and you in the show so I can kick your ass. I want to go on the bus as in Snap Next tour of all these of all these pencil neck fans and promoters out there. Because yeah. I, I don't give a shit about about being politically correct in the pro wrestling world. That's not how I came into this shit. I came in. I never was amateur wrestling from from MMA from grappling. Billy Wicks I trained under for seven yeah, years. Billy Wicks is awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. I just come in with these pussies today. Yeah. Uh, they come in with some idiots that uh, didn't know how to wrestle and bought a pair of boots and probably made enough to buy a ring and then try to train people. So you're training the idiots, you're training the idiots, and then the idiots think they're superstars and they don't know the first goddamn thing about anything. First time you tie up, say, shoot the water in his ass, snap his head over and lock him up. He's going, oh, God, that's too stiff. Oh, well, dude, get out of my business. This is our business, a man business. The way I started this business was Murdoch. Funk, Gork, Terry and Dory, Funk, Blackjack, Mulligan, Sweet Hanson, Harley Race spoke me in. They beat the living crap out of me. There was no crying. There was no living. Oh, God, you're too stiff. Wahoo McDonald's used to beat me half to death. My, he peeled my nipple back. I had to have two stitches to reattach it. And these clowns on the Oh, they were doing chalkboard. I had you hurt my body. <laughs> and then Gork said, get, get some man balls. Get some man. You know, it's so funny to say that because. Well, after I got did all that shit, and SWAT came after me and shot my nut off, and I got there, my girl called me the one bull nut. <laughs> the one bull nut. But at least anyway, I might have one nut, but I still got bigger nuts than some of these clowns. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it, man. Shit, you know you're talking. You're, you're talking about. Uh, I'll tell you, this is hilarious, man. This kid. Um, I wrestled this kid in Spartanburg, South Carolina, like uh, about a year ago, and uh, this kid was—he took—he he was crying in the back after our match because he oh was telling my everybody, God. telling everybody that I shot on him, and he's crying. And I told him we had Chuck Sloan on, and Chuck was on that card, and, and he actually saw the match. And he goes, Chuck goes, if you shot on that kid, he would be in the hospital. He has no idea what shooting on him is. You are actually just wrestling that kid, and you couldn't counter it. And that's what, <laughs> that's the thing, man. They've got to learn. This, the marquee yeah. says wrestling. It doesn't wrestling, say wrestling, brother. Show. Wrestling, it damn it. Show. It, <laughs> it doesn't say entertainment. Show. It doesn't say entertainment. Be easy on the guy. Says, I hate to see so many guys getting in the ring with Ronnie Garvin, Wahoo McDaniels, guys like that that were tough as nails. Oh, <laughs> Even Eddie yeah. Graham. I got in the ring one time with Eddie Graham when he was first, before, you know, we lost him and did what he had to do. But, you know, for he was he was a great man, but man, he was solid. He was hard. He grabbed the hold of you. He grabbed the hold of you. Felt like you were wrestling somebody. You know, felt like real wrestling. And that's what yeah. I did all my life. I mean, you know, they used to cry to Dusty A. Dusty just man, he's shooting on everybody. He tell them, "Easy money is the way easy money is, baby. You just gotta understand easy money. Just go with it, baby. Because if you fight him, he's gonna eat you up, baby." <laughs> You know what? My first introduction to Manny Fernandez, I got hooked on watching the NWA back in the mid to late '80s, and that's when I learned about. Um, that's when I learned about the Raging Bull, and it's like he is so cool in the ring doing this. But as you guys pointed out earlier, it was all about wrestling. Period. Yeah, yeah. We I teach my kids here at Body Progression. Wrestling. They learn how to wrestle. They grab a hole. They punish the hole. They go in. My kids have learned how to grab a hole and work a hole ten different ways. They don't just grab a hole. They get it into a hole, 
so many different ways that nobody knows because every idiot goes out there and thinks they, they, they got to do what every other idiot does. My kids will go out there and show them. If they work the arm, they can work it so many different ways. The guys go, damn, what are you doing? He's working the arm, idiot. So I'm like, oh, a different way into the arm. Sorry that you don't get it. <laughs> but that's the way Manny taught us. Hey, you know, it's like one guy told our truth, our truth, my boy, when I trained him, he would come to me and go, why is it every time I go in the dressing room, people ask me to train me, I go, Manny Fernandez, the eyeballs get as big as silver dollars, then they leave. <laughs> because I, because they know you can shoot. And he goes, yeah, well, you got to shoot. I said, I taught you that for a reason, correct? And he goes, yeah, well, if you don't want nobody to fuck with us, they fuck with us, we take control. Yeah, we take control. Listen, this is not a game. To me, it's not a game. When I was in that ring and I screwed up, Murdoch hit me so damn hard a couple times. I used to have knots on my head. One time I had oh, 10 knots man. on my head. Well, Murdoch screwed up the best punches. I'm going to tell you, my, one of my, my favorite wrestlers of all time was the Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch. He was right. Yes. Yes. Yes, he was. But when he mentored me, brother, there was no, no taking it easy on him. It was a kid, come here. Don't use the rules. Don't do that. And every now and then I try to sneak it in and say, come here. Wow, I said, God dang, man, what do I do? I told you not to eat the ropes. Okay, okay, don't eat the ropes. You know, there was no taking it easy on me. You know, I had to drive them up and down the road. And, and back in the day, when they started, you know, when I was in West Texas State playing football, not wanting to be pro wrestler, but thinking I was crazy because I was a Vietnam vet playing football, probably the only first guy ever in college to have a tattoo on me in 1977, you know. There wasn't guys with tattoos playing football back then. I had a tattoo for that guy in Denang, Vietnam, but. You know, he'd come and pick me up and take me down the road and him and Mulligan in the front seat and I was in the back with a beer. And then I handed an open beer can, not open, I got the beer can upside the head. And it was a can. It was no aluminum shit. That shit hurt upside the head. Pow! I go, what the fuck? And you open the damn beer for you hand it for. Yeah, yeah, but you have to hit me with it. <laughs> you know, that was it was great times with those guys. But, you know, it's just like every now and then I have a sit-down. I call it my sit-down with Terry because... Telephone call me. I think it's about time that you stop by. Yeah, wherever I'm at, I hit the carries. And we have like a sit down, like the monster. And he starts telling me about the business, nice. what's happening with the business. You can't believe it. It's turning so bad. He always started to come back to wrestling. He said, but there's so many damn whining ass damn idiots in the business on day that they're not going to let it come. Cause they don't want to get hurt. They want about how they look. They all want to have a cookie cutter look. They don't want to tell. Oh, don't hurt my body. Don't chop me in my thing. You might hurt my little precious body. Man, that's a bunch of crap, man. Yeah, a bunch man, of crap. I, I can't I'll tell it. you what, man. Terry Funk is awesome. And, and I'll tell you something about Terry Funk, man. I have, always have Dan Seven stay at the house here. We do a lot of uh, wrestling. We've been doing a lot of clinics for the for the high school teams and for the local MMA schools. With Seven? And yeah, and, and he always tells me, Dan always tells me, man, he always says, I love to sit down and talk to Terry Funk. We had Steve Nelson on the show. That oh my God, up. Steve was, was so awesome. Yeah, Steve was I knew when he was a man. baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gordy Nelson's son. We had him yes, on. Sir. And man, he, very, he, he speaks so highly of Terry Funk. I'm telling oh, yeah. you, Terry Funk is the man. Terry Funk yeah, is the man. Yeah, he is. He is, he is. Yes, I got Terry is unbelievable, and, and, and so it's like I told people, and Big Foley finally admitted it to me in WWE when I go to take my kids. One thing I respect about Vince, I never wanted to work with Vince. He tried to make me the first Hellboy. His idea for me when he tried to sign me in Rudis, he was going to put horns on my head and come out 
That's on me, man. My mom raised a man, not a fucking idiot. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I left, you know. But, you know, they they always thought, oh, man, he's Manny Fernandez. He's, he, he loves wrestling so much, he'll call, ask for a job. But, you know, I never did. I've never in my life asked him to do anything. He's asked me to go to the NXT and train. I don't know. Don't work for you, dude. I appreciate you. The respect you give me to call you and say, hey, I got five kids. You want, might want to look at me and say, yeah, bring them, Manny. I'm about the only guy that, you know, William Regal, William Regal, William Regal respects me so much. He tells stories about growing up, watching me, trying to do my wrestling moves. And yeah. a story about him, how he missed my move and broke his head open in front of all the guys and called that. And after he said, come here, man. The story came fucking ass. Don't embarrass me like that. Why you know, I was talking about the mind here. But yeah, well, man. But, yo, know, man, it's, it's just the thing about this business is that Of the worst time because they never done that jabroni type yet. There's some stupid yeah. idiot from me, that idiot Myers. Somebody he anyway, was, that would be like a mope to the mope south because they born, born again idiots. I hate that. You know, either you were that way the first time. Russell, but your favorite man is Tully Blanchard, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a, I would have loved to take him out. He would have been like a first lieutenant in Vietnam. What's the life expectancy of a first lieutenant in Vietnam? About 10 seconds. <laughs> I would have liked to have that yeah, yeah. branch is a preacher. Yeah, yeah, the preacher, born again, yeah. They all try to steal money. It's like you tell them, what does it say in the Lord says the Bible? You guys will holy roll read the Bible. It doesn't say to ask money for preaching. He never says that once in the Bible. Go beg people for money. No, you know, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something crazy, yeah. man. Because Billy Wicks knew, um, the, knew the original Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham. They both passed on now, and yeah. he told me a funny story about Billy Graham. Because because Billy Wicks was like, "What are you gonna do? What business are you going into?" And he says, "I'm going into the religion business." Oh yeah, yeah. Go in the religion business to make money. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people go in there to manipulate and make money. And, and I always yeah. say, you know, I did a pro wrestling a, a preacher preacher promo where I said, and I'll do it right now for your for your for your class, a little promo um, where I said where I said, my fellow preachers, they be pimping from the pulpit. They mean no Monday. They twist it on Tuesday. They wicked on Wednesday. They get on Thursday. They get freaked on Friday, they get sinister on Saturday, and Sunday comes around, and they want to be sanctified. No, no, no. No. You are pivoting from the pulpit, my friends. Yeah, that's what they told him. All the time he was doing all that cocaine and everything like that, nobody twisted your arm. They try to blame it on people. All those cookies <laughs> people do this, but peers do this. No, dude, nobody twisted your arm. Put your nose down there to snort that kid up. You did it on your own. You did it on your own because you wanted to. Don't be blaming other people. You know, we all did on that. The devil wasn't selling you the cocaine, Billy. Come on. No, hell no. They try to blame other people. No, we we make our own bed. We lie in it. If you're not mad enough to admit to that, then you're a coward. And Tully Blanchard was a coward. Of course, his daughter, what's her name? Beth, Beth Blanchard or whatever. Beth Blanchard or, or Beth Magnum. Uh, or, oh, they don't know. They don't know. It's you. Poor girls don't know which one's daughter. It's Magnum or Tully. They don't know which one it is. I'm saying, somebody asked me, I said, I don't know. She's half and half. Part Magnum, part Tully. I don't know. And if she, if she runs, and she must be Tully because she's got a yellow streak down her back. If she fights, it's got to be Magnum. I don't know. 
Man, I gotta ask you to tell this because I've heard you tell this story before, and, and a lot of the reason you're heat with Tully Blanchard, and it's not just from the pro wrestling. When Tully Blanchard um, was in a situation where he got that yellow streak and he ran away, and the guys were 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 trying to stab you. Oh yeah, that was. We went to Denny's restaurant right right when I first time I ever turned heel, which is what thank God he did a lot of fun because it was a horrible heel trip. That was Tully's idea. He's trying to kill. You know, his dad was fantastic. Joe Blanchard was a great man. He paid oh, yeah. the boys good, took care of the boys great. I love the territory, the territory. We're making two, four, five grand a week, cash money, you know. Jeff Tully got his wire up his ass and turned me heel and against Chavo Girl Sr. But we was at a titty bar and having fun, and I had to take one of the dancers with my girlfriend. She had a real good-looking friend with big old boobies, and we didn't know that one of her, her uh, boyfriend was a damn uh, outlaw biker. So we went to Red Match. Me and my girl went over there, and she came over there waiting on her biker, uh, dude. And uh, and uh, Tully was looking at her tits or whatever, checking her out, talking about it. And her boyfriend walked in. I went to the bathroom at that time. When I came out, I seen a little circle of guys around Tully. I'm going, what's the place going on? And I goes, none of your fucking business. Get out of here. And I said, what the fuck's going on? Tell them fucking talk to me like that. And you know, shit, I was fresh out of the country and shit. You're going to talk to me like that? I said, I don't know, and she went on. I took him on thinking Tully was going to read my back. He had my six. Never had my six. But, of course, I was coked up so much. That was punching at me. I thought he was punching. I go, man, is that hard as you can hit? He was stabbing me. I didn't even know he was stabbing me. Oh, shit. Damn, he was stabbing the shit out of me. And then Tully took off running out of the Denny's after I started bleeding real bad. Realized I was hurt. I took off my belt buckle, that big old cowboy belt buckle boy, and whacked him upside his head. It sounded like a melon cracking. Oh, Nice. You can hear Tully going out the door going, he's got a knife, he's got a knife, he's got a knife. <laughs> I fought him off and I threw it through the window. I walked outside. Tully just brought a brand new Cadillac. And I told him, come on, get, get me to the house before I die. And he wouldn't open the doors because he didn't want to get blood inside his new Cadillac. So the, oh, uh, the, shit. Yeah. So the lady waitress, the waitress, the, the, the Denny's actually saved my life. She came outside that tourniquet. Because the knife went through my arm like four times all the way through. And it was bleeding so bad, she tied a tourniquet on my arm, you know. And uh, the next thing I know, I woke up in the hospital with my mom sitting there next to me because she was worried about her son or her baby boy. Yeah. <laughs> Great story about that. My mom wakes up, you know. And all the fights she seen me through and everything she went through, Vietnam thing, the, the nightmares when I came home from that. And then I looked at her try to get something because all I have, my mom raised me and never had that. She was always tough on me. That's why I was, ended up being such a good athlete. My mom didn't put up with shit. She made me work hard. And I go, look, mom, they tried to kill me. She looked at me. She goes, oh, you don't die, so shut up. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, that's a lot. I love that story, man. That's a wild story. Uh, you, you're talking about the bikers, and, and, and I'm going to tell, tell a little funny story here. Um, yeah, tell, tell. It happened down south here where, where – uh, talk about bikers, man! And I was I was I was wrestling our, our good friend uh, the Beast Dan Severn on a show um, here in in, uh, in Augusta, Georgia. Yeah, and, man, we get out there. It was outside of Augusta, out in the country, uh, a bit, and um, we got. And this girl had the biggest boobs, man. She had, and me and Brian love boobs, man. We love Damn right, boobs, right, Brian? Damn right. Yeah, and this girl had the biggest, juiciest wreck. And she and she started telling me she's like she's like man my boyfriend he's he's the head of our biker gang and he's coming to, and, and and he's coming to find me 
said, I'm going to leave his ass. But he says, if I talk to any guy, um, he says, if I talk to any guys, he's going to cut him. And his guys are going are to cut him up. So, um, so I said, okay, baby. And then she goes, and then, and then, and then, you know, we fooled around a little bit there. Uh, in the town, and she goes. Well, she goes. She goes. Will you sign my? Will you sign my boobies before the show? So <laughs> I took out the big. I took out the big trophy, and I signed right across those big juicy tits. Dan Stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> You're too much. Did <laughs> <laughs> you take him out to Dan? Uh, that's the whole point to get them to come after that because I didn't want to. I, you know, I, 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 shit, man! I don't want to part. I, I don't want to part of that biker gang. <laughs> <It's too much. laughs> they come to train in the ring, the MMA and uh, pro uh, legit pro wrestling. But they all heard that story going nuts. Dan said, "I tell you a story about me and Dan. Me and Dan. I always mess with Dan. Dan." Me and Dan, everybody thinks you're serious, but no, we always have it going on, Joe. I'm always going, what the fuck do you ever do for four wrestling? You ain't done shit for four wrestling. Besides that, you're a crack I'll ruffle your pants off. So, <laughs> we're at Cauliflower Alley one time, right? And he honored Dan Cauliflower Alley, and I jumped up and I yelled this thing as loud as I could. What the fuck do you ever do for four wrestling? Dan said, goes, man, why do you always give me a hard time? Because I'm going to kick your ass. And all of a sudden, I get tackled from behind, and somebody goes, God damn it, you better stop that shit before we start an angle right here. Guess who that was? That was Stone That's Cold. God damn it. And then the son of a bitch sends me a pink bucket of beer. Pink bucket. I threw the bucket at his ass. Now, we got to ask you. You mentioned Cauliflower Alley, and we just had uh, the Brian Blair on the show. Do you know yeah. who he took it over finally. They finally got a march. All the marks were in there. They need to clean it up, get rid of the marks. Yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah. Hey, I'll tell you a funny story. You know, remember Steve Williams, Dr. Death? Yes, of course, yeah. Of course, yes. When he, when he, right before he died, me and him went there together because he asked me to come and he had, with that operation, he had that thing. And I always put my, my finger on my Adam's apple and talk to him the way he talked to me. And people would look at me like I was weird. But he understood. We understood. We were friends forever. So I'd always fuck with him like that. So one time we was over there and they were making his judge the marks rushing the ring and she would sit there with that thing <laughs> covered up his toes like, get the fuck out of here, get out of here, get the fuck, get, 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 get the fuck out of there. <laughs> I, was dying, I said, Steve, calm down, no, no, get them fuckers out of there, get them out of there. <laughs> he was fantastic too, man, I miss him. I had so much fun with him in Japan, me and him wrestling, teaching, we'd pancreas. When I had a pancreas, me and him go after each other all the time. So we had a lot of fun, but. Oh, yeah, man. What the hell? Yeah, I mean, God, you, you've been all over the world, man. You've been yeah, wow. Japan, Puerto Rico, uh, Mexico. What's your favorite, what, what's your favorite memories? Like, I mean, that's you know, a general question, but what would be like your top couple favorite stories and memories? Well, when we went to Russia and trained in Russia, Sambo Submission Wrestling in Russia, it was me and Brad Rangins. Remember Brad Rangins? Oh, nineteen eighty one. Of course. Me, Brad Rangins, yeah. me, Brad Rangins, and Bam Bam Bigelow. And I don't know why they have Bam Bam Bigelow coming. But he don't know how to shoot at all. Yeah. <laughs> he got ate up. So they put me with uh, Victor Hashimikov, six-time world champion, two-time Olympic champion. They yeah. had me with him for that month. Man, this guy was kicking my ass every day. I mean, eating me up, spanking me, yeah. come back. And what made him mad is I'd be back every morning right there looking at him. And he'd kick my ass again. I'd come back every morning. Finally, he said, come back, you crazy. I go, no, 
I'm not quitting. You're not making me quit, dude. So finally, he got to teaching me Sambo submission and everything like that. Led up to the big show. At the end, uh, Brad Langens had Victor Shangi off, the two-time Olympic champion. They had yeah. a match, and I had the main event with me and Victor Hashimikov. So we get to go on and in the ring, right? On the mat, he was cool. In the ring, I blew him up. I blew him on the ropes. And I looked at him, I go, hey, Victor, my turn. I kicked him in the nest and suplexed a little fuck out of him. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something about Brad Riggins because I met Brad Riggins through to Eric Paulson, that uh, right. like combat submission wrestling, and, right. and I met him and Bob Backlund. And uh, Bob was bad. Yeah, Bob, and we were, and, and I'm telling you, Bob Backlund told me he said that Brad Riggins was at one point in time the best wrestler in the world, period. In the world. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Man, you know what? Brian Reagan's in a referee's position, nobody ever broke him down, ever yeah. broke his referee's position. That's how strong he was. It was a funny story about me and Brad. Me and Brad were co friends because we spent that time in Russia. I knew Brad. He knew my background. He knew I wouldn't take no shit. He knew I'd end up beating the living hell. If he stretched me, I'd end up punching the living hell out of him. So we always had that admiration, respect for one another. In fact, he's the one that sent JBL to me to train. If JBL was so stiff on Brad, Brad. Got him. And when he came over and took over when Wahoo and Ray Stevens were booking, great. We were doing so good in the territory. We were picking it up because me and Wahoo were beating the shit out of each other. And we had Brad and we had Mike Enos, you know, the Beverly Brothers, Wayne yeah. Blue, Mike Enos, all that good shit. Yeah. Ray Stevens, uh, the Paul Diamond, Pat Tanaka, uh, the, the Donut Boys, Diamond Dallas Bates, who's in the Hall of Fame for, ch for chasing donuts, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Dude, great guy, he was so pissed because I stretched him the night he came in from, uh, he came back and I came in from Japan and he was getting on Wahoo's ass about his booking. So they put him with me and I stretched a little crap on him. So he called in Rangan thinking that Rangan stretched me. So he was all happy and we had a match in Winnipeg, Canada, and it was so cold. And he thought, oh man, he's going to get his, he's going to stretch my red Rangan. We went out there and I said, hey, like, take me over. And he got so freaking great guy, he went crazy because we just stayed in the headlock. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I got one yeah. for you guys. So, where I, I use Brad Riggins, not a lot of people know, and this is how I, you know, I, I got to know Brad Riggins a bit, and and Bob Backlund, who um, yeah. actually up in Connecticut, my home state, and it coaches up there. But the reason I got to know those guys was from Paulson, and that was when Paulson was training Brock Lesnar for MMA. But not a lot of right. people realize how instrumental and how close Brad Riggins. And Brock Lesnar are, man. Those guys yeah. are tight. Yeah, real tight. And so, uh, uh, so was Mr. Anderson. And he was in a uh, uh, Russian icon with me, and he asked me to come do his uh, seminar. Can you please come and help with me and my school do a seminar? I said, yeah, if you bring Brad Rangins, I'll do it for nothing. Well, I'll get Brad Rangins. Yeah, because I haven't seen Brad in since Russia in 20 years, 20 years or more. And I love to see him. I love to see him because... He was a great guy. I always just want to admire him. And there was a guy named Gary Albright. You guys remember Gary Albright? 
I do. I love Jerry Albright suplexes, man. I I, I use some funky suplexes in pro wrestling. Oh my god! And and he had some amazing suplexes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That was my boy, man. He used to beat up Pater for me, even though I beat him up anyway. But Nebraska. He's a Nebraska wrestler. And shit, I yep. tell the story about Nebraska. I you, I don't know how how well you know Briz, Jerry Briscoe, but there's a kid I call I know him very well, very very well. No, him and Jack. They could rip me a new one when I was a rookie. In '79, I had to ride with him. They ribbed me. They left me on the side of the road. They introduced me to cocaine. Short <laughs> this, I want to kick your ass. <laughs> well, I'll send I'll send Briscoe this episode because he is so hard on this kid. Um, there's a kid I coached back when he was in high school that went on to wrestle in Nebraska. He won the Midlands tournament. He was runner right. in, in D1 nationals the last two years. I was with Briscoe wow. at uh, Madison Square Garden at NTA nationals. Not this past one, but the one fire about a year and a half ago and he was so hot on this kid man his name is Tid, tim dudley tj dudley and he and and the kid has got the look he looks like a like a shelton benjamin he's 184 oh, okay uh, in college. yeah but he cuts down you know so he's he's walking around about about 200 solid like solid and and briscoe loves the kid but this is the thing i tell you i'll tell your students man Tim Dudley's a great amateur wrestler. He was a phenom here in South Carolina when I coached him. But here's the thing. He is does not have the passion for professional wrestling. You've got to have the damn passion for it if you're yeah. going to be a professional wrestler. My kids, yeah, my kids have – and, you know, I work with two autistic kids. I told you that earlier. Yeah. And Aiden and, and with Jeremy. Jeremy's coming along great. Jeremy's got the fire for it. He's going to go down and – we're doing a show for uh, Wildfire, Tommy Rich, October 28th, oh, nice. down in Okay, kid, yeah, the wildfire. We're going down there, and Jeremy's going to be with me, and he's got family in Donaldson. He's, Donaldson. he's doing great. My uh, boy over here, crazy, crazy, plum crazy. I'm going to call him the plum crazy. Jared Plum's here, Mike's here, uh, Ryan's here, James just showed up, all the five guys sitting around here listening to the podcast. These kids are going to learn how you come to the show in Union or in Myrtle Beach, you know you're invited. Come down there and oh, check I'll out the show. definitely go to Myrtle Beach. There's no doubt about yeah. it, man. No, we're definitely going to pull out some beers and all these. Oh, yeah. Here we go, I hope. <laughs> but and no, that's, man. that's my business too. I work for a beer. To, I kind of like, kind of like old uh, old Dick Murdoch used to. I work for a beer and liquor distributor here. Oh wow, that's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Uh, Murdoch, uh, Murdoch was the Coors Light ambassador. Yeah, he was a good. That's why we drink Coors Light. That's why we put a case of Coors Light in his coffin when he went up to heaven. So you know. We, yeah. we, we, all the old timers are like you and, and the Stephen Bonner and Baroni, all them guys. We just stick together. We believe in one another and we believe in our way. If you don't like the way we do things, get the fuck out of the way. Go play volleyball. Right. Go, go play softball with the girls. Do something. But get out of business. I mean, you know, we don't need that kind. We need the business to go back to being what it was. That's what I teach my kids here. The tenement for us and body progression. And that's what they go do. Go out there. I teach my kids how to shoot on a guy if a guy gets stupid. They control him. They're not going to. They never lose contact with the body. That way, they, the guy gets stupid. That part of the body we got, they're taking it down. They're going to take it down. That's my main thing. And that's the problem. The way that a lot of kids 
are, are coming to the business or are trained. And I've told this story before on the show. And the way that I got into pro wrestling was right after college. Uh, we're talking over 20 years ago, and I was a uh, uh, I, I was I was coming out of amateur wrestling, and I was doing judo. And there was a school called the Kari Judo in Danbury, Connecticut, and it was all wrestlers. And back then, right. judo allowed lower body attacks. Which right, a lot of right. people, we talked with King Mo about hell. We could freaking shoot single and double legs, and we could. Right. We were we were we were basically just beating the hell out of these judo guys and and, and wearing pajamas. And my buddy <laughs> Dave was doing it, and uh, and my buddy Dave was going to Killer Kowalski School doing pro wrestling. And oh, cool. he, and, and man, me and him were out there, and shit, we went out for some beers after the after judo uh, school one night. And um, he was like, man, I'm doing pro wrestling. I said to him, I've been a pro wrestling fan since I was a little kid. I said, how in the hell do I get in that? And, I will, and I'll say, you know, I learned a ton of stuff from Billy Wicks. I learned a lot from Dan. Yeah, Billy Wicks is You know, I don't know if you know great Mephisto, Frankie Kane. You know, he was a big influence on me, too. I, he gave me all his robes and stuff. But I, I picked up stuff from those guys. But my beginning in pro wrestling was – with Dave and me and him, this was before internet, you know, people sharing matches, me and right. him wrestling each other all throughout New England, Jersey, New York. Cool. And we were going out there and we were wrestling each other, yeah. you know, uh, and we and, and we were we were trying to put each other in the bad positions, you know, and and, and and we yeah there was yeah I mean there was certainly we were it was and it got over there was a lot of show it over with the people did it get over with the people I bet it did I mean people yeah, we, we we set a format up for matches that was it was a similar match every time but like I said it was before the internet and that got and that was and I went on and worked for a lot of other promotions other but but that was my introduction that was how I got into it right. and. Um, and I think a lot of kids get into it doing nothing but running the ropes and, yeah. uh, and, My kids don't, do and they don't know how to wrestle. Yeah, I take that away from them. You do not use the ropes. I sit there and they go through their match like they did, the arm match, everything. They go, not one. You've gone 10 minutes. What have you not done? They go, hit the ropes. I say, yeah, you don't need them. No, no, of course not. We learn to wrestle first. We learn how to shoot into a wrestle, not wrestle into a shoot. We shoot first, then we relax. That way they know you were serious. That way we The best advice I ever got, Billy Wicks years ago introduced me to Dick Steinborn. And Dick Steinborn yeah, told Steinborn. me, he says, you need to work a shoot. He goes, you're you're an amateur wrestler. He goes, the there way you, you go. get over is you got to work a shoot. And that's what I always tried to do. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I did. If you see the earlier matches, me and uh, uh, – Killer, uh, Killer Khan one time in Florida when I won the Belvedere, he tried to go behind me. <laughs> I don't like nobody going behind me. I shouted around behind him. I re-switched and everything. He tried to fall out. My lock, ankle locked him. And went around the back. Everybody's going, damn, man. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I, like, I just don't like that. Being that amateur background, I don't like you trying to get behind me. You know, one guy right now, one of the early videos, he showed uh, my guy that put the fan page together. The guy went behind me, Swiss went behind me, and I cow catcher, slammed him on his back and locked him up. I go, you just don't go behind people. There's no wrestling. <laughs> They're not going to be right. nice. You know? I mean, you know, the, the, the kids have got to learn. And that's one thing, like you met, we've talked about Susan Green, and she does it with her, yeah. her kids there. They, and she teaches them how to. She teaches them how to wrestle. They've got to know how to protect themselves. But you know, oh, yeah. we, 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 me and you have, have got a great talk. But I want to bring the snowman because I know he's a huge 
fan of the sure region. Am. I want to turn this over to the snowman and have him ask. Snowman, what's up, bud? <laughs> Man, it's great having you on, but I remember, like, like I said, I got hooked on the NWA. How much fun was it working with Ravishing Rick Rude when y'all had Ravishing and Raging oh back then? Oh, my God, dude. Talk, talk about it. Ravishing and Rude did not shoot like we did, but he had a right-hand combination that was ungodly. You get to that right hand, you'd be out like, you'd be sleeping like one of seven doors. You'd be sleeping on seven doors, you'd be out for a while. You know, Rick Rude was a natural uh, Western champion, two-time Petaluma world champion in Petaluma, California. And I'm the only other guy outside of Danny Hodge that could crush an apple Rick Rude, that could snap a pair of pliers Rick Rude. He could grab you, and it was... The, the greatest thing about Rick Rude, and I say it to this day, because the idiots think they know everything, he listened to me. When he got in the ring, he wasn't a superstar. He was nothing. He was the guy that they said was a gimmick. And he listened to me every time he was in there. I told him to do this. Right. Over himself, tagged me. Tagged me so I could fix his cluster fuck up. He laughed and tagged me in, you know, and I'd get on with it. I mean, he was great about his personality. He was super with me. He was the only thing that we ever argued about is when he go, can you not ever get out of one fight? Just go one day without getting a fight. And know there's too many idiots in the world. Oh, yeah, that's you know, great. I got to interject something about Rick Rude because uh, because it's kind of cool because um, I was at uh, WrestleCon. I had a table for Future Legend Apparel, which I want to encourage people to check out Future Legend Apparel. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I was there with the New York Badass with Phil Baroni promoting Future Legend Apparel at this past WrestleMania. But we were at the WrestleCon, and um, we – had a great rapport with Marissa Rude, who was Rick Rude's daughter. Who, oh my God, yes. beautiful girl, beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful girl. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, we talked to her about being the um, valet for the real shooters, and she was down with it. And she's kind of gone MIA since then. But like Stefan Bonner, I think said appropriately, he said, you know, she's got a boyfriend, and if you're gonna be surrounded by the New York badass the king of Connecticut and the American psycho on the road, your boyfriend's going to not, he's going to be a little uncomfortable because not only is he surrounded by, she's surrounded by sexier men, but they're sexier men that can beat his ass going on behind her back. <laughs> exactly. He told, he told the truth. He told the truth. Yeah. But she was a beautiful girl. Yeah. I noticed the truth when she was little, when me and Rude, uh, you know, when they try to sign in, Ruth came to me and he said, what do I do? I said, you go make money. You're in this business to make money. Don't worry about me. I got my Japan deal. I got my 26 weeks a year. Go make money, kid. Just go make money. We always, that's why I always respected Ruth. I never had a problem with him. In fact, the funny story is the one time we were in Charleston, West Virginia, we were on an hour Broadway with Rock and Roll Express that night. We almost caused a riot. And me and Ricky Morton ended up going 47 minutes of the match. Right. I come in the picture with Ruth, Ruth. Oh, man, you mentioned Ricky Morton, and, I, and I, God, I can't even count the number of shows in the South that I've been on with Ricky Morton. When I was doing oh, my yeah. Sheik gimmick, man, the coolest thing with Ricky Morton, man, was I was working my Sheik gimmick, and, right. and I had this robe, um, and I and I used to have the stash. You know, I'm not Arab or anything, I'm, 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 but, I'm, but I am, you know, Sicilian descent, and, and a lot of people say I look like Cesar Romero these days. Yeah, yeah we do, and you do. 
but uh, but I used to do this chic gimmick, and one of my buddies um, from MMA that, that we've had on the show a bunch of times, Kamal Shalarus, he taught me how to speak some Farsi, and it doesn't really matter what you say, you know, because the people don't know anyway. But um, working the chic gimmick, and I and uh, I had Frankie Kane's old robes, and I'm in the back, and man, um, I was, and it was it was for Frankie Kane. Um, was still I don't know what physical shape he's in now, but it was it was ten eleven years ago when he was still you know I, 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 I was yeah. every day so vibrant. So I was in the back there with Ricky Morton, and he's like, and he's like, brother, where did you get that rope? He goes, that thing is like from the fifties. And I said, you know, I got this thing from uh, from Great Mephisto, from Frankie Kane. You know, he's one of my one of my uh, coaches. You know, years ago, and he's like. He's like shit. That he's, and he told um, uh, Gibson, Rich, uh, uh, Robert Gibson came over, and he was like, he's like, he got that robe from Frankie K because they all knew Frankie Kane, you know, yeah, from yeah. back in the he's day. He's a big Memphis so, Yeah, so we called Frankie and we put him on the phone with uh, um, with the Rock and Roll Express. And it was just really cool, really cool memory. But God, Ricky Morton, I've been on so many shows, and, and I think he's still working shows now. Yeah, oh yeah, he was. He uh, got me to win before communion. Show me me and Ricky Morton. Well, yeah, you still have a worker, so, you know, it's so farts. We can still go. I can still go. I had a great match with uh, Stroh Maestro, and then I had one with Cortez Castro from Lucha Underground. We tore the house nice. down, man. We tore the house down. He told some idiot, no, man, he's Lucha strong. He's legit. And then the idiot told somebody, he goes, well, maybe he should retire. He didn't realize he had to wrestle me the next night, and I shot on him. I got chicken winged him, double crossed it. Step over, and I was leaning. I'm going. Next time you tell somebody to retire, you better make sure they don't know how to really wrestle. And you couldn't breathe or nothing. <laughs> and my boys, that's, that's exactly my my mentality. Because what I say, yeah. even to like the fans, and this was something that that I learned from I learned from pops from Billy Wicks. I tell fans this. I tell fans simply this. You know, they go, oh, you know, wrestling's phony. I say. There's nothing I am doing to my opponent in the ring that I could not do to you effortlessly. That's why I can tell people like this. Uh, Johnny Valentine said, wrestling might be safe, but I'm not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Think about me, man. So if I get my hands on you, you're going to feel everything about me. But, yeah, all the guys are here. We're getting ready to do a training session. It's exciting to be with you guys. And I really want you to... Yeah, promote the October 28th, my start of my painting and laughter in Myrtle Beach. Wildfire Comics Switch School. There we're going to have a big show for painting and laughter for my veterans. And then in Union, South Carolina, November 4th, which I hope you guys can make all of them because I'm really hoping to have lots of money saved up for my veterans for Christmas. So I, can get them I, would, love to, I, would, I, I would love to volunteer and not even pay. I would love to volunteer to broadcast those shows because I, yeah. I love yes. and I love that would be awesome. them, call the boys coming. That'd be great to have you both. You and Brian there. That'd be you awesome. You know what, you know, man? You know what, Johannes? If you broadcast, if you broadcast that and get it done, I will make a. I I will. I'll come down. I will find a way to come down yeah. and do it. Fantastic. I would appreciate that. Okay, guys, we're going to train. Thank you for letting me be on your show. Don't forget that uh, a lot of homeless veterans out there, Americans, uh, Americans, uh, you know, lifeline, you know, the lifeline, uh, the pride and joy of Americans are veterans and the people who serve and protected our freedom and all the guys that are right now deployed. And, you know, uh, my man Trump's going to kick some ass. 
some ISIS ass, I should say, and put right. Afghanistan back where they should be. If not, let's make it a pond. Blow them up and make it a pond. It'd be a nice pond to play hockey on over there. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. And I just want to say, we talked about strip clubs early in the show. We talked about boobies. And we're going to hear from our sponsor from in Las Vegas, the Legends Room. We're going to hear from yes. the Legends Room, Kevin Bonner, um, in his ad, King's Court, in the King's favorite club, the Legends so, Room. Yeah, Legends Room. Well, we're here from Body Progression. We'll promote Body Progression, legitimate pro wrestling. And I thank both of you, Miss Snowman and my man Matthew. And we'll see, see you all soon. And hopefully we'll be back on the podcast, talk to you again about pain and laughter and uh, all that's going on, and Vicky Morton's going to do the stand-up comedy, and if you haven't heard him, he's pretty funny. As a stand-up act myself, and, and people laugh at this, um, because <laughs> I did some, I thought do stand-up with the Beast, with Dan Severn, and one of the jokes mm-hmm. that I fell um, is that Dan helped cure my, well, I'll put it this way, he helped save my life. Because uh, because I was suffering from incurable insomnia, incurable oh, really? insomnia. I could not go to sleep. I tried to watch. I tried I tried hypnosis. I tried it all. But the only thing that cured me, I got a VHS tape of Dan right. Severn's greatest promos and greatest matches. I popped that sucker in and I fell asleep within 15 minutes. <laughs> I was out like a rock. <laughs> That's probably better if you pop in WWE nowadays. You'll really go to sleep. Ain't that right, Snowman? All right, guys. Love you guys. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bo. Thank yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Straight out, boys. He's too handsome. He's too handsome for Hollywood. He's too sexy. He's too sexy for his own good. This is the King of Connecticut, Matt Granahan, host of The King's Court, telling you to go to the Amazon Kindle store and pick up a copy of my new book, Too Handsome for Hollywood. The world according to the suntan superman with the forward by the UFC Hall of Famer Dan the Beast Severn he's too handsome he's too handsome for Hollywood he's too sexy he's too sexy for his own good yeah yeah nine dollars and ninety nine cents Pick it up today. Too handsome for Hollywood. The Amazon Kindle store. You'll be glad you did. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.